Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. I hope you're having a good one. I am having an uncharacteristically great day, really feeling myself. Maybe part of the reason why I'm giving you this double XL PDS. I think we're clocking in at over 18 minutes. So if you like those big ones and you want big ones on the daily, hit that like button and let's just jump into it. Hey y'all, the first thing that we're gonna talk about today is Adidas hitting a hornet's nest yesterday and personally, I loved it. So yesterday, the company unveiled this new ad that I can't actually show you because this platform isn't okay with this sort of thing. And that is because it featured many images of women's uncovered breasts with the caption, we believe women's breasts in all shapes and sizes deserve support and comfort, which is why our new sports bra range contains 43 styles so everyone can find the right fit for them. And for a decent chunk of people, the sudden appearance of 25 pairs of breasts on their timeline was too much to handle the tweet drawing a ton of backlash with some wondering why are you showing uncovered breasts why don't you actually show the bras although clicking the link does actually do that and adidas did eventually release a video highlighting the bras and, you know one of the things with the story part of the reaction is people going hey would you do the same for men with people leaving comments like would you do this with men's genitals is this ad directed towards men women already know what shapes sizes colors breasts come in but to that i would argue that is not a one-to-one -one comparison right the opposite of a dick and balls would be a vagina and personally i feel like movements and moments like this are a good step towards removing the sexual stigma around breasts. Right, I mean, hell, pretty much everywhere they tried to post this ad, it was removed except Twitter. And that's because most of our society, like most of these social media platforms, see men's chests and they can be shown, there's no issue there, but women's are automatically assumed to be sexual despite being essentially the same thing. With the only difference being that women are essentially magic and can feed a small child with them. And here's the thing, if you have an issue with this, I'm not gonna try and villainize you. I understand that having this take, a lot of you aren't going to agree with me. Right? It can take a long time to unlearn the things that society kind of like drills into us. But yeah, I guess the main point of the story is I just think it's stupid that I can do this and it's fine, but if a woman did it, bye-bye. <laughs> and then let's talk about this Dave Chappelle scandal and pylon. And I mean, there have been a lot of claims, a lot of potential misinformation, maybe some just missing information all spreading over the past 24 hours. And in an attempt to break this down, let's start with the core of the story. You have Dave Chappelle in his hometown of Yellow Springs, Ohio, which Chappelle is actually featured and showcased in a recent documentary he did showing the, the town during the pandemic, showing how it struggled and survived. And it's been known for a while that he's planning on establishing two businesses there, a restaurant and a comedy club, but he recently threatened to pull those businesses over a recent development plan. And some background here so I don't just kind of show you a video and you're like, okay, I don't understand the context. According to the Dayton Daily News, the village of Yellow Springs and Oberer Homes were working on a plan that included a variety of housing structures. This including affordable housing alongside single family homes in a 53 acre area. And more specifically, the plan would have included 64 single family homes, 52 duplexes and 24 townhomes, along with 1.75 acres being donated so affordable housing could be built later. But per the Dayton Daily News, tons of residents actually had issues with the plan, including traffic concerns, issues with the proposed homeowners association, water management, and more with one resident telling the outlet he felt like this was two projects instead of one, arguing that it's, quote, important to kind of understand the framing and also understand how those products attract different home buyers. And among those critics, you had Chappelle, who expressed his concerns back in December, but the reason this blew up now is because of a recent video where he threatened to pull his two businesses from the town over the plan. There was a council meeting this week. You can find the video on YouTube. It's about two hours long, but Chappelle's section is essentially this. Hi, I'm Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I just want to say, and Marianne, I could talk to you about this privately, um, I don't know why the village council would be afraid of litigation from a $24 million a year company while they it's out a $65 million a year company. I cannot believe you would make me audition for you. You look like clowns. I am not bluffing. I will take it all off the table. That's all. 
Thank you. Right, so Chappelle, very blunt, he calls them clowns, he threatens to take out his money. And while in this video, Chappelle does not say specifically why he's opposed to this, the headlines just wrote themselves. Which most all essentially hit the headline, rich famous guy kills homes for the less fortunate. Right, with people saying, oh, so he doesn't want the pores around. Now with it, I will say, hey, that could genuinely be the reason, but a lot of people are kind of just jumping to conclusions. Right, because if you take the time to look further into this, along with the complaints that I talked about before, many felt the council didn't involve the community enough in the plan making. Also, there were concerns over the quality of the development. Some also seemed against corporate development rather than the alternatives. And with all that, the council voted two to two with one abstention on the plan, meaning that the zone reverts to a previously approved plan to build 143 single family homes with a starting price of around 300,000. Though even there, there are conflicting reports regarding the starting price. But really one of the main things that stood out to me with this story is how quickly it just ran away. Because once again, like my argument isn't that Dave Chappelle is 100% guaranteed not an asshole or a fuckhead or anything like that. We don't know those people in person. You don't know me in real life. We all saw a video where Dave, yes, is being harsh, obviously frustrated and annoyed. Right? But looking through the video, he doesn't even mention affordable housing. Also, because remember, this is about a larger development plan that simply set aside a donation of land to later use for affordable housing. Those are two different things. Though you could argue that even though we don't know what Chappelle's specific issues or intentions were, technically his complaints and the complaints from the community resulted in a plan with affordable housing getting scrapped. And that for some alone could still be enough to cause frustrations. But it just genuinely feels like we don't have enough information. Like, you you could have an issue with the fact that Dave Chappelle was kind of like holding his wallet over the town's head. But without more information, it could be argued that's a bad thing or maybe a good thing, depending on his reasoning and his goals, which again, remain pretty unclear. But ultimately, that's everything we know right now. Hopefully it explains a number of things, though there are still a number of unknowns. Although it appears that there is at least one less unknown because literally the moment I started uploading today's show, Dave Chappelle, or rather one of his people, responded. With that representative telling Yahoo Entertainment, Dave Chappelle didn't kill affordable housing, concerned residents and a responding village council killed a half-baked plan which never actually offered affordable housing. The passion with which he delivered his comments during the village council meeting was just as evident as when he fought to create living wage jobs with his famed summer camp for residents during the height of the COVID pandemic. Neither Dave nor his neighbors are against affordable housing. However, they are against the poorly vetted cookie cutter sprawl style development deal, which is little regard for the community, culture, and infrastructure of the village. And so now with everything that we talked about and now this latest update, I do want to pass the question off to you. And there's two. One, what are your thoughts on this situation in general? And two, if you had seen headlines or just the, the little snippet of the video before, but now you've seen this full coverage. Does it reinforce what you thought before? Does it change your mind? Let me know. And understand, I'm asking that question as if this story exists in a bubble because I know going into this, there are a lot of people that have very positive and very negative feelings about Chappelle for other stories in the past. And then there is a big mental health controversy in what feels like the first time in the last few years. It somehow doesn't just involve BetterHelp. Congratulations to the team over there. I mean, I'll still never work with you again, but congratulations on not being the only boogeyman. Right, so at the core of this story, there's a controversy with TikTok and ADHD-related advertisements. And that because two weeks ago, there was a report from NBC News that Cerebral, which is an online mental health platform, was running ads that essentially linked ADHD to overeating. With one ad featuring a woman surrounded by junk food with text that claimed that obesity is five times more prevalent among adults with ADHD and adding that getting treatment should help people stop overeating. Now that specific ad appeared on both TikTok and Meta and after inquiries from news outlets, both platforms removed ads with that imagery. With a TikTok spokesperson saying, TikTok has strict policies to protect users from fake, fraudulent, misleading, or harmful ads. And in this case, we removed two of Cerebral's ads for violating our body image policies. But it also didn't end there. You had Facebook also running similar Cerebral ads regarding diabetes and they ended 
ended up taking them down after being contacted by media outlets. It's also prompted conversations about promoting medical misinformation to young people, specifically when it comes to representing ADHD in a misleading way. And today the story got even bigger because Media Matters published a report this week claiming that TikTok is, quote, enabling predatory ADHD advertisers to target young users. And saying there that while TikTok did take down specific ads mentioned by NBC, Media Matters still found similar ads from Cerebral and other companies touting ADHD treatments. And saying that these ads seem to capitalize on the TikTok phenomenon of ADHD self-diagnosis, which some creators oversimplify the disorder, leading viewers to try to decide themselves whether they have the disorder, sometimes incorrectly. And noting this can push users to inappropriately seek ADHD medication, which can have dangerous side effects if used improperly. With Media Matters arguing that this should also count as medical misinformation, which is a violation of TikTok's rules. With it specifically referring to one ad that tells women that traits like being spacey, forgetful, or chatty should be a reason to seek ADHD treatment. Also adding that another company called Dunn implores people to self-diagnose themselves via a survey, even though that quick assessment can't offer an official diagnosis and only tells people that it might be likely. But as the Attention Deficit Disorder Association notes, a full assessment and potential diagnosis of ADHD is not accomplished using an online test or during a quick doctor's appointment. A thorough evaluation usually takes more than one visit and must be done by a professional who is trained in ADHD. And noting, other conditions can sometimes resemble ADHD. So it is important to work with a professional who is able to rule out these other conditions and make the appropriate diagnosis. And all of this plays into the larger issue where the internet and misleading advertisements allow people to convince themselves they have mental or physical health problems. With Dr. Adiola Adeleo telling Banner Health, it creates this horoscope type of effect. People see enough of these videos, they start to relate to any number of the potential symptoms and even begin to present with some of the same symptoms. But yeah, ultimately that's a story. And of course, I'd love to know your thoughts in general, but also let me know because we're talking about this topic, if you got a mental health ad at the beginning or, or wherever, and if so, what was it? It feels like there's always a 50% chance when I'm talking about there being a controversy with a company, their ads playing on the video. And then in massive entertainment news, it's kind of the COVID of the animation world because just when you thought it was over, it comes back again. Futurama is returning. And to continue with this simile, much like COVID, people are concerned about this newest variant. And not just because of people like myself that are torn because it's like, oh, I can't wait to, for Hulu to give me 20 more episodes. I would love that. But also the last series finale was so good, which by the way, this thing has had four series finales. How many times are you gonna try to make me cry, Matt Groening? But rather the big reason that people are up in arms right now is that the voice of Bender right now is not returning. With Deadline reporting that among the three lead voice actors, the only person who has not agreed to come back is John DiMaggio, who of course voices Bender as well as a half a dozen other characters. With the role currently being recast ahead of the first table read on Monday. With this decision reportedly being made after negotiations came to a standstill. With Deadline going on to report that according to sources, DiMaggio felt that the proposal was not competitive based on the success and name recognition of the original series. And so now if you look online, there are a number of fans threatening a boycott of the new series. Along with general fan reactions, you had massive voices in the voice acting world also speaking up. Like Tara Strong, who tweeted, bad move, Futurama. Maggio is hugely responsible for the success of the show. And adding, voice actors loved by fans are treated insanely unfair by Hollywood. They love making us feel replaceable and get away with paying a fraction of what on-camera celebs make. Time to close the gap. And while I'm a big fan of Tara and I respect what she is saying here, I think the obvious path forward is clear. Bender voiced by Chris Pratt. Y'all, he's the only voice actor we need. Obviously, I'm kidding, but I I, I do hope this gets resolved because I do think this could be ugly both for Futurama and whoever replaces DiMaggio. And I say that because while I'm not in the voice acting world myself, I do know a few voice actors and while it might not be universal, it does feel like there's this general air of like, you do not go for a voice acting gig if it's because like the people making the project don't wanna pay the original voice actor what they think they're worth. Right, with the mindset being you're helping fuck that other voice actor and it's gonna be you 
next time. But ultimately, we're gonna have to wait to see if this plays out, if part of what's happening here, it's kind of like the public version of negotiations, or it really is this far. But as we wait to see if there's some sort of resolution, Futurama fans, what's your take on this? But from that, I wanna take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Vessi. Vessi's are lightweight shoes that are perfect for the winter season because they actually keep your feet warm and dry through rain, snow, and mud. They're built for everyday life. I'm constantly in my Vessi's running errands, playing in the yard with the kids, and I love their weekend Chelsea boot that I can dress up for business or for date night with Lens. And with a revolutionary technology, Vessi makes a truly versatile shoe that is 100% waterproof and snowproof without sacrificing comfort, breathability, or style. The perfect shoe for a hike in LA and at the same time on my winter vacations. And as far as how does Vessi accomplish all this, they make their shoes from Dimatex material. It's a dual climate knit, keeping you cool in the summer, warm in the winter, and with antibacterial insoles, they're always fresh. And they're always coming out with new designs and colorways, so head on over to Vessi.com slash DeFranco right now and be sure to use code DeFranco to get $25 off. And make sure to grab a pair now while they still have your size and you'll be thanking me later. And then, have you ever seen a painting in an art gallery and you thought, I could make that so much better? Personally, I can say that thought never popped into my head, but I'm also not talented anyway, but you had this Russian security guard who had his eyes on a $1.3 million painting and he thought, that could be so much better. And so this motherfucker whips out a ballpoint pen and just starts drawing on the art with a specific art in question just having faceless people and he's like, they need faces. Now, as far as why the security guard didn't do the one job he was supposed to do and in fact did the opposite of it, uh, there have been reports that he was bored. Uh, the exhibition's curator said his motives are still unknown, but the administration believes it was some kind of lapse in sanity. But also for the few art lovers watching the show, do not fret. Apparently the restoration's only gonna cost around $3,400. And hopefully the, the restoration's not done by the same person that did this. And as far as the security guard, he was obviously fired and the police initially declined to press charges because the damage just simply wasn't enough. But complaints from the Ministry of Culture have now prompted them to open an investigation, which if they decide to prosecute, could earn him a fine and up to three months in prison. And personally, I'm not saying send this guy to jail, but I just want there to be an investigation so we can figure out a better answer to why this happened. Like, was it just finally giving in to intrusive thoughts? Like, I don't know if anyone else has this. You're riding shotgun in a car, you look at the door and you're like, I could just open it. I could open it and jump out. I'll never do it, but I, 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 I why not? Why not? And in no way is that thought connected to like being depressed or actually wanting to hurt myself. I just, it's, it's in my head. Which, side note, whether you have an intrusive thought like that or not, you are not the thoughts in your head. That voice, that often fucking mean voice, that's not you. You are your actions and not any of the garbage that's up here. And then it looks like Congress is finally coming together on something to say that beating women, not super awesome, guys. And for those of you that are like, well, obviously they would come together for this, that hasn't always been the case. Right, so what we're seeing is that a bipartisan group of lawmakers in the Senate introduced a proposal yesterday to renew the Violence Against Women Act. The original law was first passed in 1994. It was then reauthorized three times before ultimately Republican opposition caused it to expire in 2019. And as far as what it did, it created the Office on Violence Against Women and the Justice Department awarding over $9 billion in grants to nonprofits, universities as well, as state and local governments to help victims through crisis intervention, transitional housing, and legal assistance. And while it failed in 2019, this time around with Biden in the White House, a bare majority in the Senate, Democrats believe that they can get enough Republicans on board to meet the 60 vote threshold to stop the filibuster. With Dick Durbin saying, for those who have given up hope on the United States Senate functioning, passing important laws, working together on a bipartisan basis, take a look behind me. But even with that, you have people going, but still the bar is so low. With many pointing to the fact that the primary sticking point for Republicans this time around is a provision within the law that would close what is known as the boyfriend loophole. This would keep people who have been convicted of misdemeanor stalking or violence against a partner from owning a firearm. And so in a compromise, 
compromise with Republicans, Democrats left that provision out, realizing that there was no other way to get this bill passed. But with all that said, as far as will this actually pass, it's not guaranteed, but there is hope. With Durbin saying the Senate is perilously close to reaching 60 votes, but that the bill won't come to the floor until later this month. As well as Republican Joni Ernst, who is herself a survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault saying, I think we can almost let out a sigh of relief. We need to get this over the finish line and we will. And y'all, I, I fucking hope so. Once again, the bar is so low. But that said, in the meantime, if there is something that I can add to this story, I don't care who or what you are, you deserve a relationship free of domestic violence. If you are being manipulated, verbally abused, or even hit, one, that person is not going to change. Anyone that's ever been in a relationship like this or they've seen it from the outside in, it has ups, it's downs, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I would never do that, it happens again. That may be your current normal, that is not normal. And even if this just reaches one person that it needs to right now, I'm gonna include resources down below. There are also other options, but this is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. You can call, you can text, you can chat on your computer. And this has always been an important topic and problem, but especially after COVID-19, where everyone was packed in, we saw domestic violence numbers going up. You may feel helpless, but you're not. You are stronger than you know. You just don't have your footing right now. That's what abuse and manipulation and gaslighting does. And then in shit that's actually happening right now that affects real people news, let's talk about evictions. Right, evictions right now are surging again, and very few pandemic protections remain in place since the Supreme Court struck down the federal evictions ban back in August. And earlier this month, the Pew Charitable Trust reported that evictions have now officially returned to pre-pandemic levels. And according to a preliminary analysis published by the Eviction Lab at the end of last year, eviction filings in 11 major cities, including Columbus, Ohio, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Tampa, Florida, and Houston, Texas, significantly increased soon after the federal CDC moratorium expiration. And to make matters worse, while we're back to pre-pandemic, experts predict that these numbers will only increase as rents continue to rise. And part of the reason is shit's expensive and only getting more expensive. Right, just last month, the online apartment rental site Zumper reported that the national median price for a one-bedroom rental apartment hit an all-time high, jumping 12% to $1,374 a month. And so the spike in evictions is expected to get worse as many people nationwide continue to struggle to pay rent. With just this week, the New York Times reporting, tens of thousands of residents of New York City public housing, many of whom lost their jobs after the city locked down two years ago, have fallen behind on their rent, raising fears of a coming rise in evictions. And y'all, the numbers are crazy. The New York City Housing Authority said that as of November, more than 68,000 households, about 42% of all those in public housing had overdue rent. And so in an attempt to address this issue, we've seen Democratic representatives Ayanna Presley, Rosa DeLauro, and Cori Bush proposing legislation that would add more protections for tenants at risk of losing their homes. And there, according to NPR, the proposal called the Housing Emergencies Lifeline Program Act would ban credit agencies from recording evictions, fund legal assistance to fight landlords in certain cases, and ramp up enforcement against illegal tenant removal, as well as authorize $10 billion in grants to fund related legal aid, require landlords to inform tenants of rights and responsibilities as a deterrent to illegal removals, and create a database to track evictions. But I do feel it necessary to say, if you are someone this would impact, you're someone that's hoping that it would get through, uh, the, the battle for this is very, very uphill. Right? Congress has definitely become more reluctant to renew pandemic era protections or even propose new ones lately. So it is very possible that we're going to see at least a version of the eviction crisis that was talked about for the last two years. And then we had Donald Trump in the news because according to reports, he and 12 year old me have something in common. With outlets like the independent reporting, Trump would eat torn up documents in the Oval Office, which yes, for a little bit, I was that kid that would eat paper and sometimes erasers. But the, the Trump allegedly eating paper thing, like that, that's not the main point of the story, though it's like an odd thing and I understand why it's in headlines. But this is really all connected to the House Oversight Committee announcing today that it's launching an investigation into Trump's handling of presidential records, which is a move that came just one day after the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA, asked the DOJ to look into the matter, prompting questions about whether Trump could be investigated for a possible crime. With these actions stemming from recent revelations that Trump had taken 15 boxes of official White House documents to Mar-a-Lago instead of turning them over to the National Archives, which is legally mandated under the presidential 
Presidential Records Act, and that requires the president to preserve memos, letters, and electronic communications. And ultimately, those documents were turned over to NARA last month, but the agency only confirmed it this week. And among other things, the documents reportedly included Trump's self-proclaimed love letters with Kim Jong-un, as well as the letter Obama left him when he left office. But also, people familiar with the matter told reporters that the archives found possible classified material in the boxes, which makes Trump's already shady actions even more questionable. Or as the Washington Post put it, these new allegations are just the latest example of what records personnel described as chronic difficulties in preserving records in the Trump era. And very notably, all of this news came right after the National Archive took the very unusual step last week of confirming something that has been long reported by White House insiders. That Trump had a habit of tearing up documents, which aides would have to literally reassemble and tape together. And so with that, over the last few days, there have been other concerning allegations, including from former White House aide Omarosa, with her specifically citing at least one instance where he appeared to put a torn up document into his mouth and chew it, and are adding that there are, quote, certainly things I'm sure cannot be accounted for because Donald Trump became very, very aware that a lot of these sensitive documents would at some point be made public. Also, with this weird barrage of news on this topic, you had Axios reporting that New York Times White House correspondent Maggie Haberman wrote in her upcoming book that, quote, staff in the White House residence periodically discovered wads of printed paper clogging a toilet and believed the president had flushed pieces of paper. Now, Trump, for his part, addressed these allegations and reports in a statement today saying that the records he had illicitly taken, in fact, it was viewed as routine and no big deal, with him also claiming without evidence that he was under no obligation to give this material. And of the Haberman news saying another fake story that I flushed papers and documents down a White House toilet is categorically untrue and simply made up by a reporter. But ultimately, this is one of those situations where we're gonna have to see what happens from here. Uh, you know, how does the House probe play out? And most significantly, if the DOJ launches an investigation into all of this as well. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching. Subscribe and so you're a part of these daily dives into the news. I love yo faces and I'll see you next time.